I hope you guys are ready for a great morning. Uh, we, I get the honor of closing out this sermon series, and I, I've really enjoyed it. I'm not a history buff by any means. Personally, I don't like school that much. But hey, this was fun to look at the lineage of Jesus and seeing who, who arrived from where and who was related to who. And it is neat because we got a chance to look at these characters that went from the Old Testament and the Old Testament points, everything points its way to the coming of Jesus. So then we get to see these people, and Jesus is from that lineage, and now we get to see how we fit into this picture. So I'm, I am asking and I'm praying that God reveals something to you today because we are a part of this story as well. And so that's been the, the highlight for me, is seeing how these amazing Old Testament people, Jesus came from them, and here we are being a part of the same story. So it's an amazing lineage. And so I, I'm, I'm encouraging you guys to open up your Bible and make sure you have your Bible app up because you are going to be taking notes today. This is going to speak to you. God's going to do something here because today we are talking about a very unlikely hero. An unlikely hero that makes a choice in her life that not only affects the history of her life, but the history of the country as well and the nation. She is such an integral part of our faith relationship, our faith walk, and I'm excited to speak about her. So today we are learning about a woman named Rahab. Now Rahab is someone that has been given a label in life. And I want us to keep that image of what a label is, like a name tag walking around. But it's important to know that we do not have to stick with the label that we have been given. You may have been labeled in your life, such as Rahab. That doesn't define who you are. That's why today's message is going to be called Drop the Label, Rip Off the Label, whatever you want to call it, we are talking about getting rid of the label in our lives, but the inappropriate label, because there's a label that we do want to have as well. So we're going to take a look at, at who Rahab is. And she goes by a lot of different terms. And you're going to hear me kind of intermix it as I, I go along. Uh, some people call her a harlot in different translations of the gospel message. Other people will call her a woman of the night. Uh, what I will refer to her the most as during this message, and it's seen most common through the translations, is she is Rahab the prostitute. That is her profession in life. That is what she is known as. You can say, well, that's, that's cool. So you're telling me to apply in my situation the life of a prostitute. How is this applying to my walk right now? Well, we're actually going to see that Rahab is not only one of the most inspirational people that we are going to study in the Bible, but she has a messy life just like you and I have. It hasn't been a picture-perfect life for any of us, and God knows that. And we get a chance what it looks to see to have someone transform, to see someone walk tall and change what's known about her. So she's actually pretty similar to you and I. So if you guys, let's open up our Bibles right now. We're going to be going to Joshua and spending all of our time in there. And Joshua is in the sixth book of the Bible. If you're brand new to our faith, I know a few of you are because you just experienced Christmas. You're like, I want to know more about this Jesus. This is a Bible. <laughs> and all you have to do is go to the Old Testament, which is on the other side. It's a sixth book. You can also get into technology, and we have a Bible app, 
and we're going to Joshua. One of my favorite books of the Bible, one of my heroes, is Joshua. And we're going to go turning to chapter 2, verse 1. And let's read together. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp of the Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to a house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for each person that you've put a calling on their heart to come to church today, whether they're, they're sitting inside right now or if they're sitting outside or if they're joining us virtually. Lord, I ask you to just open their hearts right now. May your words speak to them because these are your words. You are the one that can transform. You are the one that can change. So, Lord, we lift this morning up to you as an offering and ask you to just work in your mighty way. It's your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, so we are in Joshua chapter 2, and what's happening right now is Joshua has taken over this leadership role from Moses. He has been handed the mantle of taking over and leading the people forward and taking back the land that, that God is God's land. And so what he does is sends these two spies out to Jericho because that's the next stop of where they're going to try to take over. And so he's sending these spies out on this recon mission. These two men go out. And if you've never been on a top secret mission, what you do is you try to dress like everyone else would be unless you're wearing something really dark. And you try to sneak along so no one notices you're around. And here, we're actually going to see that there's a wall along Jericho. So they're probably kind of slinking along the walls of Jericho, blending in, talking like the locals talk, trying not to get noticed whatsoever. And they just, they don't want to get noticed. That's the key, is they're trying to blend in. And as they, they travel along this wall of Jericho, these men knew that they needed somewhere to stay. They can't just go for days upon days without sleeping. And so what's the most incognito place to stay so you won't get noticed? And so they're, they're looking around for different places. And I can just imagine they went up to one of the townsmen and said, hey, where's the house that a lot of people spend the night that won't cause a, a bunch of commotion? Where's the, the house where all the guys go? And they said, oh, you must be talking about Rahab's house. It's, it's right over against the wall over here. And so these two spies that were sent by Joshua find their way to Rahab's house. This, this house was chosen for safety because the city officials aren't going to go searching around. They're not, oh, you know what? We should probably go scout out where the, the new people are. Let's, let's just go to the prostitute's house. They're, they're used to seeing people go in and out of this house every single day. This is nothing new. There's no different change of commotion. So they're thinking, well, if we can blend in here, if people normally come and go from this house, we'll be just fine. You see, the outside world knew of who Rahab was. They saw what she had done previously. And now Rahab walked around with this label. No matter how she was, integrity-wise, no matter how compassionate she was, she was known by this specific label by all the townsfolk. That's why they didn't question anything about these two gentlemen entering her home because they know who she was. In Joshua chapter 2, 
verses 2 through 7, we get a little more context with it. It says, But someone told the king of Jericho, Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. And actually, this is a beautiful part, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River, and as soon as the king's men had left, the gates of Jericho were shut. So we have two spies that were sent by Joshua, who was instructed by God to send these two spies. The king's men heard about this, and so they went to Rahab's house to say, where are the guys? And what Rahab did was said, oh, yeah, they were here, but they're, they're gone. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize where they were from, what they were doing, but they're already gone. I bet you can go catch them right now. Don't worry about it. Just, just start walking, run. And they're upstairs. Why would she do this? Why would Rahab go to this trouble for these two gentlemen? Why would Rahab put her life on the line? Why would she lie? Why would she go through this? Why would she care? Why would someone with the label that Rahab has care at all about this situation? You see, remember, she wears a label. Rahab is a sinner. She is unclean. She is surrounded by filth. She is unlovable. She is materialistic. She is too far gone. Whatever negative thing you want to label her as, she, she wears it. So why would she want to help these men of God? I mean, she didn't just help them. She went above and beyond for these gentlemen, lying to the authorities, hiding them on her roof, sending the others on a wild goose chase. Like, she went for this. Why would she go to this trouble? What got into Rahab? Can someone that far gone in sin still be saved? That's right, good answer. Does someone in that profession have a heart of caring? Can someone that far gone, I'm telling you, I want you to get this image right now, someone known as a prostitute that everyone outcasts, can someone that far in that much sin still be saved? What gave her this caring heart at this moment? You see, Rahab has lived in sin. But we've read what she does. Before we start casting stones at her, I want us to stop for a moment and look at our own lives. We have fallen into sin. Some of us uh, a little more recently than others. Some of us a little more often than others. We are sinners. That's why we have a Savior. Our sin has put a tag on each and every one of us. It gives us a label, and if we're not careful, we wear that label around everywhere we go. And we begin to believe that label. 
You see, this image, as I, I started to study this message, it reminded me of a study of a, a story from a dear friend that went through something very similar. She struggled with this label that just mentally broke her over the years. She was telling me, people do not like me. I am unlikable. And that's the label she wore. She wore that label for years. This deceptive seed was planted in her mind at a very early age. She wore this label because of a trauma that happened to her at 12 years old at school. It's a long story, but I'll, I'll summarize it for you. Someone started a rumor about her one day at the lunchroom. And as she came to lunch that day to sit with her friends, the ten of her friends got up and moved to another table as soon as she sat down. She was confused and devastated. She's 12 years old. She doesn't know what's going on. I thought these were my friends. What did I do wrong? What's going on? What's wrong with me? For two weeks, no one in the school talked to her because of this rumor that was started about her. She didn't understand it. She didn't want to bother anyone with it, so she didn't tell her parents or the teacher or, or anyone else in her life what was going on. She just dealt with it herself. It began to internalize and validate in her mind that she was unlikable. She began to believe the lies that Satan began feeding her day after day. I'm worthless. What's wrong with me? No wonder people don't want to hang out with me. She didn't have the confidence to know who she was. Instead, she began to blame herself for what was going on. She felt deep shame and humiliation in her life. You know, after two weeks, uh, the girl that started the rumor, her friend, finally came forward and told everyone, oh, I'm sorry, I was just making it up. It was a lie. And then one by one, her friends came by and, and apologized as well and embraced her. You see, but the damage has already been done. That, that label in her heart already got etched in stone, and she began to believe that she was not valuable. Even today, which is 40 years later, she still wears that label around. The label of unlikable, of something that happened when she was 12 years old. You see, that label may not be out in the forefront, but it gets validated every single time someone doesn't want to hang out with her or says something questionable about her or she second guesses herself. The label just starts to get worn all over again. Anytime she gets treated unfairly, it just gets reinforced. And if I'm being completely transparent with you guys, I have labels myself. And it has stuck with me since a young age as well, where I will second guess myself. And if something goes wrong, it just gets slapped right on my chest again, and it gets validated those labels, if we're not careful, will stick with us the rest of our lives. We have to remind ourselves that our identity is not stuck to that label. 
Wherever Rahab goes, it's just, oh, it's not, hey, it's Rahab, it's so good to see you. Everywhere she goes, every time we see her in a reading part of scripture, it's like, oh, it's just Rahab the prostitute. That's it. No one has any emotional attachment to her or cares what she is. It's just Rahab the prostitute. And since she's classified, she just has to stay in that label for the rest of her lives, right? She just has to stay there. Since we have a label placed on us, then we have to sit in that place. We have to sit on that label for the rest of our lives, right? That's, that's what the world says, so that's what's right. But thank God that Rahab listened to God and not the world. You see, there is a clear line that has been given to us. Are we going to listen to the label and take what the world says that we are and who we are? Or are we going to look at who God says we are and who God always sees us as? You see, the thing is God has an entirely different label for you. And it's loved, it's son, it's daughter, it's powerful, it's useful, it's necessary. You are important, you are a world changer, and you are needed in the kingdom of God. What a beautiful label. If you can walk around saying, I am loved by God, that's your label. You can wake up with a brand new breath of fresh air every single day, no matter what negative thing has been said about you. When you wake up and understand that God is for you and God loves you, you get a brand new outlook on life. That's the label you carry with you into this next new year. That's the label that you carry with you all the days of your life. So why did Rahab go to this trouble? What got into her suddenly? She's been a prostitute for a majority of her life. Well, it's because God knew of Rahab and was taking over her heart. God was now a part of this situation at hand. He knew that her heart, he knew her mind, and he knew that she was done with the label that was placed on her. So then he began to start doing God things in her life. That's why he put this whole scenario together. Don't think it's a luck or coincidence that these two guys went out and did a recon mission and suddenly found their way to Rahab's house. It's not a coincidence. This is a God plan, in effect, working beautifully. This is God saying, I am believing in you, Rahab. I am setting up this choice encounter because I believe that you are ready to move forward. You declared that you're ready to start doing something in your life, so I'm going to start putting the wheels in motion because you made that declaration. Now it's up to you to answer the call. So he set it all up. That's why something started to change. So if you were stuck in that label and you're ready for that sinful nature to go, God's ready to start moving beyond and start taking you to that next level as well. In verses 8 through 11, in chapter 2, it says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear, 
No wonder, no one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. And I love this part as close it out. For the Lord your God is supreme God of the heavens above the earth below. Yes. Give him praise for that last statement right there. Because he is. He's supreme God of the heavens above the earth and below. So these two spies are up on her roof. And she's up there having this amazing conversation with them. You can see in her line of work, she probably heard some things about who God is. Because these, these men are probably weary from battle, and they just want to relax for a little bit, so they go to her house. And guys are full of machismo, so we, we try to tell as many stories as we can to make ourselves sound better. So they're probably saying, oh, well, we defeated this person. And she gets to hear all these rumors and hearing about what's happening in the land. She's probably one of the first people to hear what's going on. So she heard these rumors of, wait, what do you mean this parting of a sea? What do you, who, who did this? What do you mean they, they were conquered? Who, who did that? She began to hear who God is. She heard stories and rumors about how God is in complete control. She heard stories about how God was changing lives and using these people, these sons and daughters, to change the, the landscape of the world. She began to see that this God began to equip people that were ill-equipped. I could just imagine the more and more she heard about God, the more and more she would want something different in her own life. Oh, you're saying that, that he could use them? There, there's hope for me. So she, behind the scenes, began to study and understand who God was and wanted that change in her life. So in a way that God's spirit so often works, before these two gentlemen arrived, she already had a softened heart. She already began to want to hear more about who God was that made her willing to be open to this idea. He's working on our hearts right now. You can be sitting there and know for a fact that God is working in your lives. It's just sometimes hard to see. It's sometimes hard to wait, but know that God is working. She suddenly felt compassion. She, for the first time, began feeling hope. She felt needed. She felt loved and cared for. Rahab now began looking beyond herself to other people. She began to realize these men were representatives of God. That's why she hid them and went to the trouble that she did. Because she wanted to be a part of what God was doing as well. What a beautiful talk that must have been up on the roof. Hearing all about who God was from these two guys who have experienced him so mightily. Everything that God had in store for her. And as we read this, what a beautiful picture of God's grace for each and every one of us. God working in our lives. God opening up our eyes and our hearts, getting us ready for this life change. Giving us, this is the important part, the opportunity to accept him. The opportunity to start moving forward. The opportunity to say yes to him. And all of those things happening when we don't deserve it. Those things happening that 
No matter what we've done, God is still right there with us. Those opportunities happen that no matter what's been bound, no matter what we have constructed in our mind of who we think we are, God is still there ready to move alongside us and move us forward. So no matter what label binds us, God is ready to rip it away. God is ready to relabel you saved and redeemed. You guys get pumped up over that. That's a good one. You sit there being saved and redeemed. You are a part of God's mission. You are a part of God's plan. Oh, that's beautiful. I want us to have that same conversation that Rahab up on a roof just experiencing. Maybe it's been a while since you've been so connected with God. This is your opportunity to just say, God, I am open and willing to see what you have in my life. God's going to take you far beyond what you ever imagined you were to do in life. He wants to stretch you. He wants you to be uncomfortable. But he wants you to know that you are so loved and you can do it. We doubt ourselves so much. But you can do this because we walk with a mighty Savior. That conversation continues on in, in verses 12 through 14. It says, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escaped to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. So as this conversation began to change up on a roof, she began to say, you know what? God is in the middle of this. Let's, let's start talking beyond this because I'm ready to keep moving forward, but I'm kind of trapped where I am. You guys are trapped where you are. God's, God's coming. So what are we going to do? And they start to make this plan of ways that they can escape. And her plan was to let them down by a rope down the wall because Rahab's house was conveniently built into the wall of Jericho. So she was going to take this scarlet rope, drop it down, and the men would escape. And by helping these men get the safety, she was asking for safety for her entire family. You heard the family reunion that would happen. She wanted everyone to be taken care of. And remember, she was labeled the unlovable prostitute, right? So why would she care about her family? We already cast stones at her, and yet she makes a point to make sure every single person that's close in contact to her is saved. That sounds like a caring heart to me. Actually, if we read this scripture, we see that Rahab's putting on a clinic of showing us what true faith looks like. She's showing her faith by putting her deeds into action. And actually listening to God, you know what, I'm going to protect them, I'm going to save them, and then I'm going to keep moving forward with you. She's putting on a clinic, showing us she's trusting in God through this whole situation. She's going against all the townspeople. She's going against everything she has ever known and stepping out in the unknown to do these things. 
She's putting her family above herself and making sure they are all saved. So I want to get rid of from here on out, whenever you see Rahab the prostitute in the Bible, I want you to just erase that and put Rahab the faithful. She is stepping out in faith. She is trusting in God. She is trusting in these two spies, and she is trusting that she is actually able to change. Is that one of you sitting in the seats today inside, outside, or online? Are you sitting there knowing and trusting that you can change? Because God knows that you can. And in verses 17 through 18, we get to see the, the conclusion of the plan coming to pass. It says, Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath that we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. So they make an oath to her. Okay, if you don't pull one over on us, we're going to make sure that we're going to make it happen. So they make this plan. It's all set. So when Joshua and his army returns to conquer the city, they're saying, get your family inside. Come into a safe spot. You will be protected here. And the way that we know that this house is okay is to put a scarlet rope on the door. The scarlet is something familiar if you're going through the Bible once or twice. It should remind you of the, the color of the scarlet blood that was put on the doorposts. So the angel of death would pass over the Israelites that were in Egypt. It's the same color of scarlet blood that was shed for you and I on the cross when Jesus was crucified. The scarlet color represents saving. She was saved. Her family was saved. You and I are saved. Rahab put her trust into something and someone the moment that she put that scarlet rope on her door. You know, the scripture ends with the spies heading back to Joshua with a report. They made it out safely. So they gave him a full report of the recon mission that they had been on. Because the men chasing him could never figure out where they went, when they left, how they got there. But they made their way back. So their plan worked. As I was looking through the story and as, as you were listening, I hope you saw that this recon mission had nothing to do with the recon mission. It actually had everything to do with Rahab. That God sent this plan in motion because he knew that it was Rahab's time, time to start moving forward. So I ask you guys to be aware of what's going on in your lives because God may be sending someone your way to start your plan for transformation in order. If Rahab can be saved, it shows that we can be saved. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to plead with you, I'm going to pray for you at this moment. Stop listening to the lies of the world. Stop 
staying in the same place that you have been for so long. Stop being labeled. God wants you to move. God wants you to go forward. God wants you to realize who you are through his eyes. He has wanted all along for us to look in the mirror and see exactly who we are through God's eyes. So what is the lie you have been listening to? Because we must learn to recognize the voice of a liar. We must start to realize who's feeding us inside that we begin to internalize these awful thoughts and ideas. We need to recognize who we've been listening to. We need to stop listening that we cannot be made right, that we cannot be saved. Because healing comes when we finally see ourselves out of God's eyes. God sees our heart. He knows each and every one of our characters. He loves us. We can learn to see and love ourselves just the way that God sees and loves us. God sees you. He knows you. He sees your flaws. He knows your mistakes. He sees your struggles. He's understood your sin, and he still calls us beautiful. The heart of the story of Rahab is the gospel message. It's a story of a God who shows grace to those who trust in him. No matter what they have done in their lives. It's a God who uses those lives who are messy, who are far from perfect, but he uses the ones who trust in him. It's about a God who's not afraid to get his own hands dirty to work through the scandalous, the questionable people in life in order to save his people. There is redemption. There is forgiveness. There is hope. And his name is Jesus Christ. In the end, she is not just Rahab the prostitute, but Rahab the woman of faith, Rahab the faithful, Rahab the world changer. Rahab could have stayed with the label that had been given to her for years upon years. She could have easily stayed there her entire life. She was used to it. She made money. People would actually, it seemed like, wanted to hang out with her just with no emotional attachment. She could have stayed there. We could stay in that label that we've had for so long because it's comfortable. It's what we know. But I'm telling you right now, it is time to rip off that label and be ready for what God has. There are so many times when we were about to turn the page, when we were about to rip off the label, and yet we say, no, I'm, t- I'm just not ready. Or no, God's really not going to use me. It's, it's just something that happens in the Bible. But Rahab knew that she was destined for more, and she took a course of action. She stepped out in faith, she trusted, and she was ready to see what God had. You are worthy enough for change. I want you to walk out of those doors right now knowing that you are worthy for the change. I want to close with this. God can and will use anyone who is willing to be used. Yes, I'm talking to you. God can and will use you, but are you willing right now? Are you willing online? Are you willing outside? Are you willing in these seats at this moment because God is ready to start moving?
You see, we won't read the end of Rahab's story for a few chapters, but we'll see that she did put that scarlet rope out the window. And the spies made sure that she and her family were spared. She was written about in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 31 it says, It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had been given a friendly welcome to the spies. You see, her and her family made it out. They became a part of this Israelite community. Rahab eventually married a good man. She and her husband had a son named Boaz. Boaz married a young woman by the name of Ruth, a person we learned the first week of this series. Boaz and Ruth had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse, and Jesse had a son named David. And if you continue on this lineage, this genealogy that we've been going through, you see that Jesus was a descendant of Rahab. God, in his grace, will use anyone who is willing to be used. And he will use them in ways that will surprise us. Rahab didn't know at the time that she would be the great, 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 great grandson, that her great, great, great grandson would be king of Israel. She had no idea. She just needed to step out. That it would be through her line that the Messiah would come. She had no idea. But God knew what was happening. You may feel that God can't or won't do anything in your life. The truth is you have no idea what God can and will do through you. You have no idea what God is currently doing behind the scenes that you cannot see. He may be planting seeds that will not come to harvest for a couple generations. You may be the next Rahab, a simple person with a sketchy past that changes the world. God can use you to influence a life. He can use you to influence your family, your friends, to impact the community. God can use you to change and reveal himself to a lost society. And my goodness, do we need that more than ever. God has a plan. And as we move forward, as you move forward every single step of the ways of your days here on earth, I want you to start at this moment, whatever negative thoughts, whatever feelings have been keeping you away from God, whatever feelings have been keeping you away from moving forward, what God wants you to do, that moving forward, you know that you are equipped, that you are called to do something mighty, you will do something mighty, that you are loved, that you are son and daughter of the Most High, and that the world is going to be better because of your existence and what you do in this world. May we rip off those labels that's bounded us for too long. Stop listening to the enemy. Stop carrying around what you've been carrying around for so many years and walk the way that God wants us to, believes us to, and in who he knows you are. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that you are in control of our lives. 
We know there are times that our lives get messy and, and we get off track or we just kind of fall away. But God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, thank you for your redemptive love that you never give up on us. Lord, that you are the one that can transform us. I ask that there's someone listening today that they start seeing who they are through your eyes. The next time they look in the mirror, they, they see the love that you see for them. They are not too far gone. They are not too lost. They are not too sinful. They are not too old. They are not too young. They're just where they're supposed to be, Lord, and they're ready to accept you and move forward. Lord, if there's someone listening right now that has never accepted you in your lives, I ask you to just say this prayer alongside me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I know that you died for me on my behalf and you rose again after three days wiping away my sins wiping away that label continue to change my heart be my king of kings may I never go back to that place again we know you are in control it's your name we pray amen Lord, if, if someone said that, we want to celebrate that because you just accepted the one that can transform your life for the better. So let us know. But I want us to walk here. I don't want us to be somber anymore. I don't want us to be stagnant. I don't want us to be stuck. I don't want to have a label and just stay in one spot anymore. We rise up now. We walk forward in who God always wanted us to be. We show the world who God is and we bring more people into his land because we need it there's too many people walking around with a label of not loved too far gone not accepting jesus and it's our chance it's your mission to go out there and tell them you are loved you are accepted you can accept jesus too you each and every one of us those watching online you are the pastors you are the ministers you are the ones to go out in the world and make a difference so i commission you i pray for you go out and change the world because it is time that people experience the power of God. Amen. Amen.